So today's episode is not a homeopathic episode. It is all about airway health. And to talk about this topic, I got on the expert, Dr. Shireen Lim, right here from Perth, who has just released a new book called Breathe, Sleep, Thrive. Discover how airway health can unlock your child's greater health, learning, and potential. This is a topic that's very close to my heart, and you'll hear me ranting and raving throughout this episode about how important airway health is. And this is the part where you know absolutely, if you've listened to the show, even one episode or seen me in person, how passionate I am about homeopathy and the incredible scope that we have of being able to heal people. But sometimes we have what is called a maintaining cause that just prevents us from getting that absolute optimal health with homeopathy that we should be able to. And I personally believe that airway health is one of the things that can have a huge impact, especially on our little children. And if we can make people aware of this very important topic right from the word get-go, we are going to prevent a lot of children being unnecessarily medicated and having long-term issues. So please share this episode far and wide. I am sure it's going to blow your mind just like it did mine. You can find out more about Dr. Shireen at her website, drshireenlim.com.au. That's D-R-S-H-E-R-E-E-N-L-I-M.com.au or her clinic, sparkledentaljundalup.com.au or tongtieperth.com.au. And you can purchase copies of Shireen's book at her website, drshireenlim.com.au. She also has copies at her clinic in Jundalup here in Perth. And you can find it online on Amazon or you can find it on my website, eugeniekruger.com. Alternatively, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can also purchase a copy with my Amazon affiliate link, which I will put in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today, we get to hang out with one of my favorite dentists right here in Perth, the lovely Dr. Shireen Lim. Welcome, Shireen. Yeah, thank, thanks so much, Eugenie. Really <laughs> great to be on, and thank you for your support and sharing these messages. Oh, I'm really excited to have you on because dental health is so incredibly important and especially airway health, which is what we're going to be talking about today. But you are such a well-known, respected and very much loved dentist here in Perth. All the mothers groups that I'm in in Perth, everyone's always raving about how incredible you are. And that's actually how I first found out about you when I came to Perth. We have a lot of mutual clients and you recently released this book called Sleep, Breathe, Thrive. And I was over the moon when it came out because so few dentists look at the big picture. So many of them are just fixated on the dental health and the health of our teeth. But it's so much more than that. And I love that now you've put your blood, sweat and tears into creating this incredible resource for all of us to use and pass on to my clients. I've already sold so many copies of this to our clients because it's the information in here is absolutely incredible. Okay. I'm, I sound like a raving lunatic. It's just because this is something that's really close to my heart for personal reasons, which I'll go into a little bit later as well. And we now have this book in our clinic for sale as well. And maybe before I get too carried away, the title of the book is Breathe, Sleep, Thrive. Discover how airway health can unlock your child's greater health, learning and potential. Can you maybe tell our listeners what is airway health? So if you talk about airway health, what does that mean and what does it encompass? 
Yeah, our way health is about paying very close attention to the way that we breathe because that affects the way we sleep and many other aspects of children's development. And so as important as it is to pay attention to our physical, mental, emotional, heart health, uh, I want people to start understanding that breathing is important. It's the most essential function. And there are many things that we can do to optimize breathing from infancy. Mm. Now, you trained us like a general dentist, right? So How did you go down this rabbit hole of airway health? Is this something that you get taught at university or did you stumble on it along the way? For me, it is not something that I learned at all in (laughs) dental school. However, I think it was about a decade ago, my husband's snoring was really frustrating me. And one day I got so frustrated, got out of bed. I was aware that dental appliances could help reduce snoring. And so I investigated that and I decided I was going to help other spouses that were in the same boat. And so I enrolled in a graduate diploma in dental sleep medicine and became one of Australia's first dentists to become qualified in this area of providing dental sleep appliances for adults with snoring and sleep apnea. However, what I soon realized is that for many of these people, it's just really a band-aid solution. And many of these people are struggling with a lot of chronic health conditions or not functioning to the best that they can with things like depression, brain fog, just from having very unrestorative sleep. And so what I wanted to do was how could we get closer to the root of the issue? Because these dental appliances, what they're doing is they're addressing poor jaw development uh, and the jaws grow most rapidly in the first six years of life. So how can we actually optimize jaw development very early on in life so that we can prevent these issues from developing. Because snoring and obstructive sleep apnea, it's not something that really happens for older people, people that put on weight. It's something that has its developmental origins from birth and how the jaws develop, how are the muscles working? Because how the muscles are working actually influences how the jaws grow. So yeah, that's how I basically got into it. How can we actually get to the root of the issue rather than having these despairing problems in adulthood that we're just bandaging the symptoms Mm -hmm. rather than addressing the actual problem. Yeah. And you've just said two really big things that can Mm -hmm. be related to unrestorative sleep or not having proper airway health. And you said even depression can lead to that. But for our children, what might that look like? Because I know when I read the all the possible symptoms that could be related to poor airway health in your book, I was really surprised by how many things we see in children and even medicate them for is actually all due to poor airway health. So what sort of things can parents look out for in their children? Okay. So when we don't breathe well, we will not be sleeping our best and sleep will be more unrestorative. So things like snoring and obstructive sleep apnea, they're really thought to be sleep problems or disturbed sleep, but what they are, they're actually uh, problems of poor airway development and having a poor airway, but they play out during sleep because our muscles are more relaxed, we're lying on our backs. And so what we need parents to really go in and see is how is their child sleeping? Are they snoring? A child that is sleeping should be silent, looking very still and relaxed, and breathing should not be effortful. So we want to look out for things like snoring, audible breathing, gasping for air, lots of tossing and turning. They're all signs of sleep disruption, sweating, terrors, bedwetting, teeth grinding. 
do they slip in unusual positions with their neck hyperextended, which is a way to actually keep the airway open? Or do they sleep on their stomach, which is a way to protect the tongue from falling into the back of the throat during sleep? So all these signs are nighttime clues. And during the day, when a child doesn't sleep well, unlike adults, they don't tend to get tired or fatigued. They may be more overtired. And so they may have symptoms like poor emotional regulation, be more prone to tantrums or meltdowns, even anxiety and poor attention concentration, all these issues that may get misdiagnosed as normal childhood developmental things mm-hmm. or even ADHD and children may get medicated for, the, for this. So I think it's really important that we recognize that when children have these sort of symptoms, rather than going straight to diagnosing them with ADHD or medication, we need to rule out how are they sleeping and making sure that they're having a good quality sleep and breathing. And as you're saying these things, I just want to cry because I see this in my clinic Mm -hmm. every single day of all these symptoms that you've just mentioned, and it's just taken as normal. There's always this debate of natural versus normal or things that things, these symptoms that you're mentioning, it's, I should probably say common. It's so common these days that people just think it's normal, but it's not. Absolutely. There's yeah. something deeper underlying. And if we can just help these kitties when they, or firstly, help the parents to identify these triggers and this is why I'm going to sound like a raving lunatic evangelist about your book, because it's getting this information out there. How on earth are we supposed to know that bedwetting or the hyperextension or the tossing and turning or the ADHD can be related to poor airway health if we are not told about this? And I think also I am that classic child who I always had my tongue hanging out of my mouth because I was only breastfed until three months old. And we'll talk about breastfeeding and the role in jaw development just after this. But I was only breastfed up till three months. And then after that, I went straight on to pureed foods. That's what my baby book says. (laughs) My mom diligently wrote in. And both my parents have very crowded teeth and narrow jaws. And so I had that predisposition anyway. So I have a very narrow jaw. My teeth are all squished to the front and my tongue was always poking out. And so... This whole forward jaw development, very high arch, so not enough space in my tongue to be there. And so reading through this book, I just, and chronic tonsillitis as a child. So just so much of what was in your book, I recognized in myself. Luckily, I had no issues with attention or anything like that. I did really well at school, but so many of those things in your book, I recognize. And I am now going through palate expansion myself and my kitties are as well, because they're 11 and eight. And I just feel if I had your book even 10 years ago, or even five years ago, I could have even earlier made some changes to my children's jaw development, even though they were breastfed up till close to two years of age. I think they had that predisposition from me already. So maybe their jaws didn't develop quite as as well as it could, even though I did what I thought was all the right things with breastfeeding and baby led weaning and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's why I want to get this information out because there's so much good that we can do with our children's development if we just catch it early. Okay, I'll just tone down my raving lunatic. (laughs) I mean, mean, totally, even myself, I have two children that are Mm. aged 15 and 12. And one of the reasons why I did this was to try to make sure that they didn't grow into those adults with those problems. Mm. And even now I recognize there are so many things that I wish I knew earlier. And, yeah, I think it's important to share and that's why 
uh, the, the book is there, having the opportunity to see lots of infants with their tongue tie releases, mm-hmm. I want those parents to recognize that these are the next things we need to look out for. Mm-hmm. And these are the things that should raise a bit of suspicion because there are many things, like you said, that parents think are quite normal, normal developmental problems, whether it be tantrums or meltdowns. A lot of people would say, oh, that's pretty normal for a two-year-old or my other child is way worse. This is okay. And they accept things that are just little warning signs that things are a little bit not as optimal as they could be. Mm, or even there's so many kitties that snore. And I guess because you're in a mother's group and you say, hey, my kid snores and so many other mums go, oh, yeah, my kid snores too. Oh, it must just be a kid thing. So they mm-hmm. kind of brush it off instead of realizing that it's actually potentially a very important warning sign that you know they should catch on to pretty quickly. Are there, well, what, what sort of things can you do from right from the get-go to ensure that your child's jaw development is optimal? Well, I want people to recognize that the way that the jaws form, we are all born with the genetic potential to grow a full-size set of jaws Mm -hmm. that accommodate all our teeth. And the way that the palate or the top jaw forms is largely through the tongue. So the tongue suctioning, it actually sculpts the palate so that the tongue and the palate should actually be the same size. And so one of the very first things or one of the most modifiable influences on jaw development in the first year of life is breastfeeding. So if we can breastfeed for optimal transfer of milk, it requires tongue suction where the tongue raises to the roof and then of the mouth. And then as it drops, it creates a suction. And that's how milk comes out most effectively. And so ensuring that children can breastfeed and ruling out tongue ties that may actually contribute to poor latch and poor efficiency of milk transfer and other compensations. So I think really making parents understand you can choose breastfeeding or bottle feeding, whatever you want, but there are mechanical benefits of breastfeeding beyond the immunological and other health benefits with that. So making sure parents understand that and also the use of pacifiers, pacifiers alter the normal suck and swallow. They push the tongue low and they increase sucking pressures of the lips and cheeks. And so that can distort the palate. So really dummy use and making sure that the muscles are optimized through good chewing during the first year of life as well. So not overdoing the purees or sippy cups and really encouraging texture, even looking into baby lead weaning as a way to introduce solids so that the muscles are being more used like they were in the pre-industrial times as well, where there was less incidence of dental crowding and small jaws. So you see these photos of the Aboriginal tribes when they were still having their original diets and things before the Western diet was introduced, and you do see those beautiful wide jaws and the gorgeous teeth, and it's actually quite stark. It's quite a stark realisation when you see the photos over the years and how people's jaws have changed, hey? Yeah, and those anthropologists that are studying different populations where we introduce those modern diets within mm. one generation, we can actually see that there is increased incidence of crowding, which is under development of the jaws. Mm. So we know that it's not a truly genetic phenomenon. It's epigenetic. Mm. What's happening in our environment is the affecting the way that we express our genes. So it's not something that we have to say is a genetic and we're going to inherit it. There are very lots of different things that we can do to influence that trajectory of growth. 
that's really positive news. That's really nice because sometimes it can seem really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And especially if you look at your family's jaws and you think there's not, my kids don't have any hope. It's nice knowing that it's all about epigenetics and the way that the genes express themselves. There's still lots that you can do. So are there anything else that parents can do at home? I know this, I've heard about the, and I think you mentioned in your book about, not think, I know you mentioned in your book about the myomanchies as well. Is that something that you would recommend? Like maybe instead of a pacifier or should people just use it anyway as a blanket means of trying to develop their children's jaws or is there just a certain place for it? What are some options for people that want to use some tools at home other than the breastfeeding and the baby led weaning and not using pacifiers? What other things can people do? Well, I think very early on, we need to pay attention to ensuring nasal breathing. Mm -hmm. And so from infancy, when children are sleeping, we can kind of close their jaw to Mm -hmm. see if their mouth will seal because a lot of the time it will. So just promoting that sort of habit. And then yeah, Maya Manchi, it's a tool that I really like and I think that it has many applications. A lot of children will benefit from it. So that can be introduced as early as six months, five to six months when babies can start holding things. So they can put it inside their mouth and they can chew on it. It promotes proper swallowing without use of the, the lips and cheeks. And it's really great sensory input because what I'm seeing is a lot of children that have their mouths hanging open, their tongue is sitting low in the mouth. These are the children that are more prone to developing habits like sucking, putting clothes and objects inside their mouth, nail biting. So I like the idea of introducing this appliance inside their mouth that's going to stimulate a lot of the sensory receptors that are in there and help them discriminate where things are inside their mouth. So from Six months to 18 months, there's a BB munchie, which is a smaller version that can only be purchased through practices like ours. And then after that, 18 months and over, you can actually purchase them online. And just the idea is to introduce them every day, chip away, to introduce some jaw exercise and it builds lip seal. It just stimulates all those muscles because many of us, we're eating very highly processed foods compared to pre-industrial times. So it just really stimulates the muscles that are really important for all the things like speaking, swallowing, chewing, and really jaw development and how we breathe. Yeah, that that lip seal is something that I just never got because of this forward jaw development. I've got this dimpled chin and I never realized it's because of all these kind of accessory muscles having to work so hard because of this protruding jaw. And so about seven years ago, I started taping my mouth shut at night. And like for me to close my lips, it's actually quite painful. Like these muscles around here have to work so hard. So I started mm-hmm. taping my mouth shut and it made such a huge difference to my, I think my overall well-being. but also I used to wake up with a really dry mouth and just think that it was completely normal because mm-hmm. I didn't know any other way I've done it my whole life. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, I learned about mouth taping. So is that something I mean, your practice is just for littlies, right? Do you take on any adults or do you have any recommendations for people like me who have all these issues and don't really know where to start? Yeah, we largely focus on children, but I am involved in managing adults with tongue tie. And also by referrals, every now and then I'll get someone that needs a dental sleep appliance for snoring and obstructive sleep apnea. So I still will be involved with those. But the problem with adults, and like you've discovered yourself, is that really to get to the bottom of the issue, most of the time we will need some degree of palate expansion Mm. because 
we need to restore what did not grow properly during childhood. Mm. And it's really much more difficult to address these jaw problems in people that aren't growing anymore. And often it will need surgery to do it most effectively. And so it is hard to find people that will do adult expansion in those sort of proven methods, which actually really grow the bone rather than push the teeth out. Mm. So I do tend to focus mainly on children. I'm very passionate that these are issues that could be addressed much more easily when children are younger. And not only that, when they're addressed early, it actually allows children to function to their fullest potential. Mm. Like I said so many times, (laughs) I feel like Mm -hmm. the book has it's opened my mind even more. And when I see these little clients coming into my clinic, we have in homeopathy what we call a maintaining cause. So mm-hmm. say, for example, you have lung issues, but you don't stop smoking. <laughs> then there's that maintaining cause. The remedies are going to help your lungs, but because you're not stopping your smoking, it can only work to a certain effect. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding that I'm looking at my little clients because I love treating children. I only treat women and children. So mm-hmm. I have lots of children in my clinic and they come in with their enlarged tonsils. They come in with the ADHD and with the little tongues hanging out of their mouth. And you can see that crowded teeth. Mm-hmm. And I just know that the remedies can only do so much because you have that maintaining cause of the poor mm-hmm. airway health. And that's probably one of the main reasons because I know our remedies are amazing. It can do so much. It can get those tonsils right down. It can help with ADHD. But at the end of the day, if you have that maintaining cause of a poor airway mm-hmm. health, you're only going to get to that certain point. And I know that we can get so much further if we make parents aware of this. But one thing I just also really want to talk about, Shireen, is tongue ties. It seems mm-hmm. they are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that tongue ties are increasing or are we just better diagnosing it? Should people just blankets always take their newborns in for an assessment or is it not always necessary? Is it something that parents can kind of assess at home or should they always get it assessed by a professional? Just talk to us, talk to us about tongue ties. Great. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm going to come back to tongue ties, but something that you said before, (laughs) which I think is really important for parents to understand when you said that the original cause Mm. is when children don't sleep and breathe well, a lot of the time the go-to solution is removal of adenoids and tonsils that are enlarged. Mm. And that can definitely clear the inside of the airway and help children breathe better. But what we also find is that a lot of these children come back with persistent symptoms of mouth breathing and snoring and teeth grinding. That is a really common thing that I deal with. And even when children sort of have a symptomatic improvement where they're behaving better and that sort of thing, sleeping better, managing better, maybe down the track they'll have a recurrence of symptoms. Mm. And so when we take out these adenoids and tonsils, I do want parents to understand that they themselves could be a symptom of a bigger problem, which is dysfunctional breathing. And we need to ensure that children breathe through their nose because it's not an automatic thing to actually breathe through your nose after you've had these surgeries. Mm. And a lot of the time, an important part of restoring nasal breathing is to develop the palate, Mm. to widen that palate because the palate is the floor of the nose. And even small millimetres of expansion of the palate can actually increase the nasal floor width, and that dramatically improves nasal airflow. So I think that's really important for parents to recognize if your child needs surgery, you really need to also think about what is the underlying issue and make sure a dentist is a person that you see. 
So, I was just looking in your book here for that pic. Oh, here it is. You've actually got this great picture in your book about just showing the difference in a high, like a narrow palate versus a wider palate and how the nasal passages rest on that. And I'm a very visual person. So when I saw this visual in your book, which by the way, you've got some great photos in here, great visuals for anyone who's a visual learner like me. It was like an aha moment. I was like, oh, of course that makes sense. If you've got a wider palate, you have all this more space for the nasal passages to rest on. So yeah. Yeah. Great. And if you have a wider palate, you have more space for your tongue. Mm. And that brings us onto the topic of tongue ties because the normal place for the tongue to reside is in the roof of the mouth. The whole tongue is in contact with the palate like that and it's during childhood that tongue provides a stimulus for the palate to grow properly and that's why we need the tongue to to have the mobility to actually suction to the roof of the mouth Mm -hmm. and to be able to develop that tone because one of the functions of the tongue is an upper airway dilator muscle it's a throat muscle Mm -hmm. and during sleep it helps to keep the throat open and so now we're recognizing that tongue ties that are untreated at birth are linked to the development of obstructive breathing during sleep in childhood and adulthood. And so you were asking, are they overdone? So not really, not really, because I'm seeing a lot of patients that have had these tongue ties that are that haven't been addressed. And mm-hmm. people compensate, and it's surprising what, when we do the release, how many facets of their life can actually improve when we do the tongue tie release. However, it's often not a matter of doing the tongue tie release and you're going to prevent all these future issues from occurring. Mm. Really, what we need to do is make sure that the muscles are working really well. Mm. And it's not just a quick snip. It's really working with a lactation consultant, a speech and feeding therapist, my functional therapist, to make sure the tongue is working well and then to develop the palate so that it has the optimal space to function as best as possible. And so when you said, do we book in to have a tongue tie assessment? Not necessarily, because mm-hmm. it can be difficult to diagnose tongue ties sometimes. Some of them are very obvious. We all have a string that connects the floor of the mouth to the undersurface of the tongue. And sometimes they're very obvious. They're restrictive all the way to the tip, mm-hmm. but sometimes they're more hidden. And it can be a bit more gray to decide, are they tongue ties or are they not? And the determining factor, is it impacting function? So I do think seeing a a good lactation consultant from infancy is probably a better starting point rather than coming to see the dentist and to see how well is that latch working. Sometimes if the lactation consultant isn't really well trained in tongue tie, their main criteria for good feeding is going to be pain-free feeding and baby putting on weight. Mm. But then if the tongue is not working, sometimes there are other compensations They overuse other muscles like the lips and cheeks Mm. and they develop incorrect swallowing patterns, which could be problematic down the line. So we need more people clued on to see that tongue tie is not just about pain-free feeding, good weight gain. It's really about making sure that the muscles are working well, especially the tongue. And the other thing that I want to highlight for parents that I see a lot of is there, and there's a lot more research and evidence to support this, but when we have a tongue tie, it can be associated with improper swallowing, where the tongue can't lift up and put the contents back. And these babies will present with reflux-like symptoms. 
They will have stomach distension or be gulping and swallowing a lot of air. They may present with colic-like symptoms or reflux-like symptoms where they're just really uncomfortable on their back or they look like they're in pain. They're frustrated and pulling on and off the breast or spilling lots of milk from the sides of the bottle when they're on there. And many times I see that these people are going to the medical specialist, they're getting prescribed reflux medications Mm. that aren't really effective. And there are these reflux medications, they're actually studied for adults. They're not proven for children. In fact, the research tells us that they're associated with increased risk of bone fractures in childhood. And so we are giving them a medication, but it's a really common issue that the underlying problem is dysfunctional swallowing and they're taking in too much air. So I do want to let parents know because I see a lot of these families that running around in circles doing everything that they can. They're getting told to change formula, to introduce thickener, to do all these things, change the bottle. But really sometimes the tongue tie is the issue. And a lot of parents don't get to enjoy their children. And it creates a lot of stress Mm -hmm. and reduced confidence in their parenting and their ability to feed. It affects people mentally. Mm. And I think it's really important that we highlight this issue because it's something that I see every day, every week. We need to make sure that people understand that when we medicate a baby for reflux, let's make sure that their feeding is effective and they're not swallowing air. Oh my gosh, Shireen, you're actually making me teary talking about this because we see this every single day. And the mother's groups that I'm in, I think apart from teething, reflux issues in newborns have got to be one of the top things that mums post about in Facebook mother's groups where they are completely at their wits end because Mm -hmm. of the reflux and just baby being in so much pain, nobody in the house getting any sleep. And exactly like you say, they lose their confidence. They massively sleep deprived, often have other children to look after as well. And the effect mm-hmm. that that had on, has on the whole household when I mean, really this newborn infancy stage should be so blissful and beautiful and they just yeah. do not get to enjoy that. So I'm so glad that you've brought up about the reflux and the function of the tongue plays in all of that and those muscles. That's absolutely beautiful that you've mentioned that. I think so many mums are going to find so much like an aha moment in listening to this episode and realizing that there's all these things that they can do to help their children. The only problem that I have with us here in Perth is it's only you and maybe one or two other practitioners that are actually qualified in looking out for this. Like, is there perhaps, I'm just thinking because we have such an international audience from literally people all around the world listening to the podcast. For our listeners that don't live here in Perth and have the privilege of coming and seeing you, because I think you are still taking on new clients, right? Probably yes, not really. I know yes, you're very good. I am. <laughs> and it, it is a pretty long way at the moment. Mm. And I think you have contributed to that, Eugenie, because <laughs> I know that one day you put a post and the girls on front office told me that there were so many phone calls. And I'm only just now starting to get them in because it takes mm. a little while to come through. But yeah, people like yourself highlighting this issue. So you're sort of asking me where can other people find yeah, what? Yeah, where do people, ha- because not many dentists are trained in identifying this and knowing where to go from there. Is there something that you can recommend for our international listeners on how they can find a good dentist to work with to help them address these things? 
I think we can always start with a Google search to look for <laughs> dentists that are airway uh, focused, that mm-hmm. are really understanding the connection with that. But in terms of directories, quite often I will send people to the AAPMD directory, the Academy American Academy of Physiological Medicine and Dentistry, because I do think that that can be a good starting point whether it's seeing a myofunctional therapist or a dentist or a speech pathologist, anyone who is on that directory, they may have a local network. Mm. And so you can reach out to them. And so I found that to be a helpful stepping stone for people. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Shireen, it's been so amazing chatting with you. Is there any final message that you would like to pass on to our listeners? And please also tell them how they can get hold of you and how they can get hold of your book, apart from at my clinic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess what we really want parents to recognize is the importance of nasal breathing. Mm. Uh, And there are so many things that are dismissed as normal childhood problems that could have their roots in poor breathing. Mm. And so when we have things like picky eating or lisp and speech problems and thumb sucking or bedwetting, teeth grinding, all these common things, behavioral issues, really to look at their breathing. And it's not just about surgery. It's not just about let's get their adenoids and tonsils out. We really need a team approach to be able to solve those problems. And that includes looking at their jaws because the jaws are the floor of the nose, Mm. the house for the tongue, Mm. uh, the framework, the bony framework for our collapsible throat. And so really to understand that when we identify these problems, it will require a team approach. Mm. And I think it's really important for the future that we can get all our professions involved in children to be on that same page when you're a lactation consultant, it's not just about the painless, good weight gain, breastfeeding. It's about how can we get the muscles to work better? Because that's the number one thing that can help to, we can modify to grow our jaw structures well in that very rapid period of jaw development. And so in terms of trying to dig deep and find more and connect the dots, it's not an easy conversation to have. It is quite complex and there are lots of facets to it. So the book is really to take all that knowledge and put it into one place as a reference Mm -hmm. for parents. And where can you purchase it? Definitely from you, (laughs) Uh, but from Amazon and many other online sellers. And you're Uh, selling them at your clinic as well, hey? It is available in our clinic too. Yeah. Yeah. So have you got a website? Because I would obviously rather oh, yes. send people to you. I always always ask whenever I have authors on the show, where's the best place for people to purchase books to support them? Because I know that as an mm-hmm. author, you don't end up actually getting that much of like the you you even said before we start recording, like you never actually end up recouping all the hours that's spent researching and putting this together. So where's the best place for people to support you to purchase it from? Do you know what? I'm comfortable. Like you can purchase it from our practice. You can look at w, yeah, drshereenlim.com.au, but mm-hmm. I'm also happy with Amazon. I think they've got a great system, really nice and easy. People can get, get it delivered in two days. Mm. So from Amazon is quite fine with me as well. And yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Most important thing is 
read, read it and purchase copies for your friends and family and anyone with littlies. I think this is going to be one of those really good books that along with when your friend has a newborn and you're giving her teething tablets or like maybe a nice bath oil or something like that, just also throw this book into every stalk party that you have or every any blessing way or anything like this. This is going to be an essential to give to any mom with a newborn. Just no, thank, thanks very much. That is definitely a dream and a hope. And yeah, I appreciate you making that suggestion. It's such a pleasure. Just think of like all the, the people that we can help and it gets me excited when we have this amazing knowledge. It's so easy. It's a really, it's an easy read, but at the same time, you've got very technical information here that has been put forward in a very easy to understand way. So I can imagine this is a book that's going to be great for dentists as well as just the mum. I don't say like, like saying just a mum. The incredible mothers that are out there that are always looking to find answers to help their children, they're going to find this just as informative a read as any dentist around the world that's interested in finding out more about airway health. Thanks, Eugenie. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Shireen. I really appreciate it. And thank you for the difference that you're making in our children's lives so they don't have to have forward jaws and sticking out tongues and weird teeth like me. (laughs) No, I I appreciate it. Thanks so much for all you do. All the best. Bye. Okay.